Severe shortage of food, cooking gas and other essential items, skyrocketing fuel prices and a record high inflation. Sri Lanka is battling its worst economic crisis yet as it faces a critical shortfall of foreign currency leading to a massive reduction in imports of essential items. This economic nightmare has crippled the lives of common citizens who've been waiting in long queues across the country for grocery items and fuel. At least two elderly men reportedly died in different parts of the country just waiting in line for petrol and kerosene oil. And as anger against the government grows, troops have been deployed outside state-run petrol pumps to thwart protests that have been breaking out sporadically. But the economic meltdown has also affected millions of students with the country cancelling school exams after running out of printing paper and amid dwindling fuel supplies there have been also long spells of power outage for several weeks now with some blackouts lasting for as long as 7 hours and unable to eke out a living at home some citizens are even resorting to fleeing to india so far a total of 16 sri lankan refugees from jaffna and mannar arrived at tamil nadu in a boat on 22nd march in hopes of restarting their lives and we'll bring you voices of some of these sri lankan refugees in this episode as they speak about the conditions back at home but what are the various factors that led to such an unprecedented scale of economic crisis in the first place how did the country fall into this vortex of debts What is Sri Lanka doing to stave off this crisis? And as India extends one billion dollar line of credit as assistance to the cash-strapped nation, will this move help India geopolitically? To talk about all this, I invited two guests to this episode: Saptarshi, a writer at the Quinn's International News Desk, and N. Satya Murthy, head of Observer Research Foundation's Chennai Initiative. Mr. Murthy has also been the editorial advisor at a trilingual TV group in Sri Lanka. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. I'm your host, Shorbury. Over the past several months, we've been reading about how Sri Lanka's economic conditions are going on a downward spiral. As the country started to run out of its foreign exchange reserves, earlier in September 2021, President Rajapaksa had also declared an economic emergency. But to break down the significance of foreign reserves in simple words and how that has impacted the Sri Lankan economy, let's first start with what makes foreign exchange reserves so important. It is the fact that This is how countries pay for things that they buy from international markets such as food or fuel. Now the country has been spending quite a lot of foreign currency while not earning back enough. So now with the foreign reserves nearly drying out it means that there's not much left to finance imports anymore including basics like food. And that's the reason behind this massive inflation. At 17.5%, the country's inflation rate hit a record high mark since 2015 and this is easily the worst economic crisis that the country has faced since 1948. In fact, the current situation has also been compared to the 1930s when Sri Lanka then a British colony was battered under the Great Depression that caused incredible hardships and suffering amongst its people. Sample this. Currently just 400 grams of milk powder is costing around rupees 790 while a kilo pack is costing around rupees 1945. Mary Claren, one of the Sri Lankan nationals who fled to India, talks about what kind of conditions forced them to take this decision to come to India. She also recounts that tough journey. Anga or 10 mani bola edunanga 1.5 kg sab at 10:30 pm 
and dropped us in the middle of the waters at 1 a.m. They said someone will come to pick us up, but no one came. We haven't eaten anything since last night. We couldn't even feed the baby. The prices are rising and we are unable to run a house. My husband even lost his job. So many refugees have come to India seeking a new life. And now that we have lost our livelihoods, many Sri Lankans are looking to find a home here. and her husband says that there are no jobs back at home amid this severe inflation. The situation is so poor that we can't even find jobs there. The prices of everything is rising and we can't afford anything anymore. Even if we work, we are given a meager amount. Currently, Sri Lanka has about $2 billion worth of foreign exchange reserves left against a total debt repayment of as much as $7 billion in 2022, which includes a $1 billion repayment that is due in July. But you can say that it all began from 2007 when Sri Lanka started on its borrowing cycles that added up to its $11.8 billion worth of debt through sovereign bonds. But beyond reckless borrowings, the current economic quagmire stems from a host of other factors as well, such as questionable policies under successive governments, the collapse of the tourism sector owing to the COVID pandemic, and also to some extent, the Russia-Ukraine war, which resulted in a fuel price hike. However, one of the recent disastrous policy moves experts are pointing out is Rajapaksa's decision to slash tax rates after coming to power in 2019. The plan was simple. Cut taxes, increase spending... But then the pandemic came, crippling the tourism sector and reducing the government's revenues. Mr. Satya Murthy, head of ORF's Chennai initiative, says that while the Raja Paksa government can't escape responsibility, the fault lies with successive governments for increasing the debt burden of the country through development projects such as the infrastructure drives with China. Uh, this is not an overnight uh, phenomenon. Right. Successive governments have been following populist measures without relevance to their economies, inherent hmm. strengths and fundamentals. Hmm. So this was bound to happen. So I won't say Rajavaksha government alone is to blame. That is my point. But they definitely cannot escape the responsibility in a few cases. Like increasing the debt burden of the government hmm. by the development projects, particularly funded by China. China is not the only culprit there. But we always uh, like to talk about China, but and as uh, the government claims, and I think the claims are correct. Right. China is not the biggest debtor to Sri Lanka, but China is also a debtor. But there is a difference between Chinese debtors. If India or Japan or uh, someone other country mm. invests in Sri Lanka for development project or something, mm. they may supply some of the material, mm. but they will also agreed to buy products, material, construction material, whatever, from the local market. Hmm. This increases the uh, capacity, financial capacity of the local economy, hmm. marketing economy, etc. Two, the labor always came from the local. Hmm. In the last 10, 12 years, most of the development projects, big development infra projects, funded by China hmm. and China not only brought money and material, all the material but also all the labor hmm. which means there was a negative effect on the labor market hmm. the earning capacity of individuals and uh, families took a huge hit 
government did not, particularly the Rajapaksa government did not do anything about it. Mm. The success of the government, which was the, that of their political rival, Ranil Vikramasinghe, they were in office from mm. 2015 to 2019. Mm. They also did not attempt to correct it. And speaking of the Chinese debt trap, China alone accounts for 10% or about $4.5 billion of Sri Lanka's foreign debt. And the Humban Tota port, which is part of China's Belt and Road Initiative, is one of the big examples of Sri Lanka's bad decisions. I got my colleague Saptarshi, who's a writer at the Quint's International News Desk, to explain how Sri Lanka and China's economic ties have been and how the island country got buried in Chinese debts. Well, Sharbri, uh, to put it simply, um, it's a very unequal relationship. The economic relationship between China and Sri Lanka is very one-sided in the sense that China gives a lot of loans to Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka accepts it, not just accepts it, it begs for it. China is Sri Lanka's fourth biggest lender behind international financial markets, the Asian Developmental Bank and Japan. And over the last few years, over the last 10 years actually, China has lent Sri Lanka more than $5 billion for the construction of highways and ports mostly, but for also for other things such as airports and coal power plants, etc. Now, some critics and analysts say that these funds that are coming in from China, they are used for white elephant projects, which is basically a jargon for projects that have low returns and that have extremely high maintenance costs. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if China puts in money in a port, uh, that port doesn't really give back enough money to Sri Lanka and it also takes a lot of money to maintain control of that port. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that is how the relationship has been so far. But um, the question is, how did China fall into this Chinese debt in the first place? So, uh, one story is about uh, a very famous port. Uh, the story, some, a story which a lot of people are already familiar with. It's Habantota uh, port. And the story goes that Sri Lanka, the Sri Lankan government took loans at commercial rates from a bank called Exim Bank, Export-Import Bank of China, to construct that port between 2007 and 2016. But the problem was, in between this period, the, after the port was fully constructed, it hardly attracted any ships. And uh, if you don't attract ships, you can't levy tax, and you can't, and there is rarely any other source of money. And this was something that was predicted by many analysts and people, and it still remains a puzzle why Sri Lanka went uh, so forward with this, to the extent that it, it it started suffering from path dependency, that, you know, we have come so far, so let's just finish it. So, by January 2015, because of uh, uh, external debt, especially with respect to this port, 10% of Sri Lanka's external debt was owed just to China. And one way to pay back this debt was to privatize a majority stake of the port to a Chinese company, which is, of course, owned by the Communist Party. And this is exactly what Sri Lanka did in 2017. It privatized a major stake to the China Merchants port holdings company mm -hmm. and it completed a deal after which China controlled a 70% stake. Mm -hmm. So what it essentially did was it handed over control of that port to China and the 15,000 acres of land that surrounds it. And this is what experts are coming forward and calling debt trap diplomacy. That first China gives you money, then they give you money in projects which don't make uh, profits, which don't give good returns. And then when Sri Lanka asks for help, China says, you know what, one way to help is just give us the whole project and we will own it. And that is what the 99-year lease is about. Now, while all this weighed heavy on the economics of the country, Mr. Murthy explains that the tourism sector, something that the country relies on, 
also took a beating. First, the 2019 Easter blasts that left 250 people dead, including foreign citizens, led to a drop in tourist arrivals. And immediately after the pandemic hit, effectively drying up the tourism sector. Add to that disruptions to the exports. And in between, you had the uh, 2019 uh, thing, uh, Easter bombings. Mm. That uh, nearly 40 or 50 foreigners died. Mm. That was a big hit on tourism. Tourism is a major uh, thing for a journal for the country. Mm. Then came just as they were recovering. Then came the COVID pandemic. COVID pandemic they hit the country in more than one way. One, tourism was hit badly, as happened elsewhere too. Two, a lot of Sri Lankans, particularly Sinhalas, are working male and women, mm. are working in the Gulf and Europe as housewives, mechanics, drivers in the service sector, go mm. in service sector. Mm. They were making a lot of remittances. That also stopped, and they came back home. Fearing for their lives or their employers, shut down shop and all that. It's a suspended operations. Hmm. This was the two. Three times again to COVID, exports stopped overnight. Also, hmm. tea and other things, garments. Hmm. These three were immediate provocation, hmm. but it was building up over time. But the question is, what now? What is the government planning to do to stave off this situation? One of the immediate priorities experts have pointed out is debt restructuring. And although President Rajapaksa requested Beijing to restructure its debt payments, it has been reported that the Chinese government turned its back on Sri Lanka. However, China is reportedly now considering a fresh request from Sri Lanka for a loan of one billion dollars and a credit of one point five billion dollars. After showing initial reluctance to take the IMF route, the government now has reportedly asked both the IMF and the World Bank for assistance. I also asked Mr. Murthy why the Sri Lankan government showed unwillingness to seek help from the IMF initially. Uh, one thing I want to understand from you, sir, is that why did the country seek help from um, India and China first before going to the IMF? So the Rajapaksa's have got a, they have a social and political ideological background. Hmm. They were a little wary of going to IMF or even European nations or I mean Western nation with the liberal capital or uh, economy mm. or investment. Mm. There is a uh, suspicion and fear mm. that the conditionalities imposed by IMF mm. will be too much for the government and the political leadership to handle. Okay. That is also the past experience of the government. Mm. Uh, uh, run by the opposition parties of there, mm. right? Mm. The political rivals. Mm-hmm. That was the only reason they continued to say we will do it in the bilateral way, right. and not go to IMF or others. Mm. But over time, they seem to have realized there is only so much friendly nations like India or China or US or whoever mm. can invest in the country, right. and that is only in the Medium and long term. Meanwhile, the country has also asked India for help, which has also extended one billion dollar line of credit to the island nation. This will certainly help the cash-strapped nation a little bit. But does extending this also aid India geopolitically, Mr. Murthy Vaisen? The definitely one thing is becoming clear. Much uh, as Indian strategic community feels that uh, Rajapaksa especially have moved 
away from India and closer to China. Mm. The recent developments of India funding and financing various projects and this kind of line of credit for the government of Sri Lanka mm. has brought them to the center, middle part between China and India. Mm. That is a good development and good optics for an Indian community, strategic community. Mm. Otherwise, the leave aside uh, Rajabaksas, the nation as a whole, the political consensus among the majority secular party mm. seems to be, I would say, not anti-China or rather pro-China. For instance, the Rajabaksas handed over the Habakkota port for development to the Chinese. Right. They had offered it to India. We did not take it for whatever reason. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But their successors handed over as a uh, territory to China, mm-hmm. saying our uh, Rajabaktas have indebted the country. We can, this is the only way out. Right? Mm-hmm. So there is a thing to be a national consensus, not just the Rajabaktas, mm-hmm. when it comes to playing Peter against Paul and China is a beneficiary at that stage. Right. Now, there's some sense seems to have returned and they are also moving to the middle part. And that's a wrap for this episode, but this is a developing story, so stay tuned. You can also check out a coverage and analytical pieces on this on the Quinn's website. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts.